I find that like being uncomfortable is the best way for me to succeed. I think that like I I need it because it, it pushes me. You're listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. Hey guys, it's Alex with Mouthwash again, um, here with Abe and Mackenzie. Um, I think we've gotten pretty good at getting all three of us on here at the same time. I yeah, know. we're here. Alive. We're on our way. Abe, Mackenzie, if you guys remember me, the status of me a year ago, what is your recap? You hated your job. Um, <laughs> you were lonely and like unsatisfied. LA boy. Uh, with LA. <laughs> with LA, right. Um, yeah, so for everybody listening, a little bit of story about me is I moved to LA for a job that I kind of um, kind of got talked into from Chicago. I loved my friends in Chicago. Um, moved here and essentially was just kind of floating around trying to figure things out. And I was at this job for about eight or nine months. Didn't really enjoy it. It was like, man, what am I going to do next? Um, and probably about 12 months ago, around this time, I got introduced to an agency called Matt Black. Um, where they asked if I would come in um, for, they asked if I would write to uh, a digital publication they have called the Shapeshift Report and did that a couple of times. And I remember just kind of throwing myself out there because at that point I was just like looking to do anything that was fun. Um, I was like, hey, I'll write for you guys again. Or um, there was a girl on their team named Delaney that I was like, hey, like, I know you guys have a podcast. Like, I'm kind of interested in more about like what that entails. So if you guys need a guest, let me know. Um, about three weeks later, I got asked to come in to do a podcast. Um, that's when I met. Chelsea Matthews, who is the CEO and founder, creative director of um, Matt Black. Um, and the day after she interviewed me, she asked if I'd be interested in, in a position as an art director at Matt Black. The rest is history. And now the tables are turned. So we have <laughs> today we have Chelsea Matthews here. What's up? What's up? So well, stoked. Love, yeah. love the tables turning. The tables are the turning. Way. You're sitting on the other side now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, from there, Chelsea hired me. It's been, she's been so great as far as like somebody who's connected all of us. Um, we've had like mutual friends, like Mackenzie and I have collaborated on a project with a friend of ours named David Sherry, who was on the season earlier, who was the reason why I found out about Matt Black. Um, we've hired Abe as a freelancer at Matt Black several times, um, to just work on projects. And so she's kind of somebody that's like really kind of built us up and brought us up. Don't you guys agree? Yeah, totally. Great. Totally. Yay. So. Yay, I'm doing We love job. Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> so yay, yay, yay. Go mouthwash. <laughs> we right. we owe um Alex being out here in LA still and not back in Chicago because of you, Chelsea. So thank you. I was oh, really close, true. man. I was like, oh, man, I just don't know if this is for me. I think I'm gonna like move back. But well, um, I think a lot of people are glad you didn't. I hope so. Um yeah, so like it was funny because like in that interview like a, a while ago, like one of the things Chelsea was asking me, she was like, "Wait, so you guys did this magazine? Like, who are your friends? Like, what you guys do?" And we we're like, "Yeah, like we kind of just did this thing because we were bored, mostly because I was just trying to kill time in my last job. I was like, I needed to like do something to like keep me satisfied." Um, but yeah, like just kind of circling back a year from uh, a year from then, it's like so much has changed. Like, love my job at Matt Black. I love working for Chelsea, um, and and just like a lot. So um, Chelsea, if you want to just kind of give yourself. Um, give us a little insight as to who you are, what you do, because there's like a literally a million things. I'm sure we won't have time to talk about everything, but <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So, um, 
As Alex kind of mentioned, I'm the founder of uh, an agency called Matt Black, where we're lucky to have Alex as our art director for content. I um, started that agency about six years ago. Um, prior to that, I was running another agency when social media was a little bit different. Uh, I had a business partner at that time, and we kind of decided to part ways. We were kind of young and just figuring things out, but um, but I'm still young, so I'm just gonna put that out there too. But um, <laughs> but like eight years younger, uh, and and I also I'm a partner in a um, in a cafe called Highly Likely, which is uh, fortunately connected in the same building as uh, the agency, which makes it very convenient. But starting to you know dip a toe in hospitality and food and beverage in kind of a different way and mind melding a bit between branding and marketing content and and food which is really interesting but yeah that's kind of that's kind of me nutshell are you from LA did you grow up in California I grew up in California I grew up in um San Francisco and like the Bay Area but I've been in LA for um I think like 11 years now 12 years probably and you didn't study anything creative right like or like what you you no, okay. I studied I studied PR which like quickly in uh in that program I was like this is not going to be for me but yeah. it was a uh relatively easy thing to study I felt like I mean it was very interesting I think I definitely took things from it but I knew quickly I'm like mm, PR world is not is not going to be my bag mm-hmm. um but like so, back go ahead. I feel like that's like a common a lot of people say like oh I was studying this thing I realized it wasn't for me at that point are you just like let me just finish up and get the degree yeah, I mean, for sure. I never, you know, look, I think it's like, it, it for me, creative was, um, it wasn't like I was trying to study something ta- tactical. So it wasn't like art school was ever something that was in my periphery. And I kind of knew that I really loved, um, I really love like sociology and consumer behavior. And I think that's kind of a byproduct of my interest mm. in marketing and in creative and uh, especially like social media and things like that. It's not like I ever studied it super extensively, but um, I think that the PR side of things was interesting enough for sure to get through um, to get through the program. Just because you know, there's nothing for but sure. good skills to learn. It's all about strategic, you know, yeah. positioning and stuff like that. But but yeah, I was quickly like afterwards. I'm like I I I was in events marketing. That's what I that's what I quickly fell mm-hmm. in love with. Um, Hmm. And that's what I did, like, immediately after college. Do you, do you feel like um, with, like, the PR degree, like, because I, I found myself doing this in colleges because, like, I was, I was like, at first, like, an accounting major and then I switched to marketing. But, like, relatively, like, compared to, like, some of my friends who were studying biology or whatever, is like, my, my, like, schedule was pretty easy and kind of gave me the time to, like, figure out what I actually wanted to do. Um, do you kind of feel like that, like, the, the space there, like, kind of gave you the room to explore? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, it was good because I like I have friends who are just like they were just so extensively like face buried in books all the time, and I was like, man, I just I always hated that. accounting majors because I was in the studio <laughs> till four a.m. working my ass off, and they were all like sitting around watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. What did you study, Mackenzie? Uh, I studied graphic design. Oh, I'm not see. one of those stories where I like you know started as like a, a med major and ended up as an artist. I just did the traditional route. <laughs> Yeah, but then that's but then that's so interesting. So you chose to go into graphic design. Why? Well, I actually didn't know what graphic design was. Weirdly, like I knew what it was, but I didn't think I wanted to do it. I wanted to do photojournalism, 
And this like super small school that I went to, um, I wasn't, it's like, I wasn't going to go to college. And then I was like, shit, I need to like sign up and do this. So then sign up as if it's like a club. But um, (laughs) I was like, I want to do photojournalism. And they were like, we don't really have that. We could kind of like create this major for you. Why don't you try graphic design? And I was like, sure, that's great. And then, yeah, I just fell in love with it. Do you feel like you apply those skills today or do you almost have to like rebel against those skills? It's funny because the skills that I learned and I loved college so much and I learned a lot from it, but it's not necessarily the design skills that I take away that I'm like super cherish. It's more of the like critique, like teaching yourself how to like self-motivation and like those other different kind of skills that is what I mainly took out of it. The design skills. Yeah. Like you learn like the history and all of this stuff, but like all of that I learned in my internships and on, on the job, like hundred percent more, but it was more of the like learning how to take critique, learning how to think about concepts, learning how to push yourself. That kind of stuff is what I really took out of it. Yeah. I could see that. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like I never like, we always talk about this too, but because I didn't go to art school, I never, I don't think I'm like bad at taking critique, but I don't think I ever like really learned how to like sit there and watch somebody like shred me to pieces. I feel like you're pretty good though. I don't know. I, I guess that, that comes from like just trying to stay positive because okay. people getting your heart broken. <laughs> right. Get my heart <laughs> several broken. times. Um, right. Chelsea, I'm curious as to like how you kind of like, I, I know you like founded Matt Black now and did a, a lot of other things that you've kind of started, which are more like in the entrepreneurial realm. Um, but what were some of your first couple of jobs while you were starting? Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a big step to, you know, graduate and then go to PR school and then, you know, start an agency. Totally. Um, so I, as I kind of mentioned, I initially got into events. Um, I was, I went to college in San Diego. So I, uh, I actually interned, I went to this like really dope, um, consumer shopping event. It was kind of like, you know, a lot of the cool shopping events that you see today, but it was very new then it was in a converted wonder bread, uh, bread factory. And it was all these like, really awesome young independent designers and I just hadn't experienced uh, anything like that. So I went and then I um, very quickly emailed the founder um, who is now my sister-in-law. So that's how I met my husband. But mm. I um, I was like, are you accepting any interns? And she was just a one-man show, which I didn't really realize. And she was like, I actually am. And so I started interning for her and that's when I fell really hard for, for events because I had actually most of my um, college career aside from a stint at Hooters, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I worked at Wells Fargo. I was like really committed to Wells Fargo bank. I was a teller. They promoted me to a banker. I was like, this is my career. I thought I was going to go into PR, uh, for Wells Fargo. And then I basically went to the shopping event and I was like, this is, this is so cool. And so anyway, long story short, did that. And then I ended up, um, moving to London right after college and finding, uh, another really cool shopping event that was, um, actually kind of international, um, called billion dollar babes, which does sound like a hooker hotline, but it was, it was like (laughs) the pre it was a premium, premium thing. And so I started helping out their events there and then ended up getting a job offer in LA, which is what brought me back to LA. And I've been here ever since. So I was like really, really heavy, um, as an event producer, 
I went on to start producing like large scale events for Volkswagen and G Star um, in a freelance capacity. I, I started a little events company that um, I would fold all that into while I was working a nine to five job. Um, and yeah, I kind of thought that was my path. And then I ended up taking a job at this um, big fashion. It was actually right on the heels of the 2008 um like financial crisis, the crash. Mm. And I had the company, that company, Billion Dollar Babes, I'd been working at was just like never good with money. They were, they were always had cash flow issues. It was like a total nightmare. Um, and they ended up deciding to fold. And um, I kind of got really lucky because I think it was like a month after they closed their doors, I ended up getting this job at the California Market Center downtown where I was running all of their marketing and events. And it was through that, it was just then that like Facebook and Twitter was becoming a thing. And so I was like pushing really hard there to uh, launch all of their social platforms um, at a time when like a lot of companies were like, I don't, this seems like a waste of time. Like what, what, you know, what is this, what is new? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I pushed for it and then I launched all those things and I slowly realized how much I loved it and how much I, I actually, after doing running events and being like high stress for so many years, um, that I really, really enjoyed like being behind a computer and like just not feeling the stresses of anything and feeling the creativity of like just creating in that realm. And then I totally pivoted. Um, and then, yeah, I think I, I always knew I wanted to do something on my own. Both my parents, um, ran their own businesses always. I grew up around it. I grew up like going to their offices and, um, I mean, I was just reflecting like just because it's the holidays and we had our holiday party, whatever, a couple days ago. But uh, my dad used to throw these like massive holiday parties. He had like a, I don't know, 125 person team in San Francisco. And I remember being like a little girl and going and just being like, wow, my dad is so cool. Like there's hundreds of people here. And it was like, it was like a funny, it's a funny reflection. I think every time around the holidays, so I'm like, wow, I wonder what my dad would think today. But, um, but anyway, but I, I basically was like, I'm, I'm going to go, I want to do this social media thing. And I know a lot of brands don't know what they're doing and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I can, I can say that I do. And, um, and that's what I did. My, my husband was like, I remember I was like literally sat next, we were at a, like a hotel in Palm Springs or something like that. And I was like, I think I want to like do my own thing. I think I just want to freelance and quit this like stupid nine to five job. And, um, and he was like, well, how much money do you need to bring in? I'm like, well, I know I need to bring in this much money. And he's like, okay, so then you need to you need like three clients that pay you X amount. And then you need a fourth client because you always need a buffer because someone's not going to pay you on time and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And, and I did. And then I, um, basically, left my job and the rest is history. I haven't worked for anyone for like, I don't know, 11 years now, which is kind of crazy. Was there like a, was there like a, so like, this is like 10, how long ago is this? 10 years ago? Nine years ago? Actually, I shouldn't 11 years. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm dating myself. I was <laughs> like eight and a half years ago. I okay. mean, so not that crazy. But. So, so was there like a, like, I'm trying to think like eight and a half years ago, like this is like obviously like way before like I was doing anything like this, but was there like a North Star brand or like an agency or something that you saw that you were just like, man, like they're definitely doing it right. Like I want to like explore this more. You know, I wasn't even really aware of what agencies did when I, I wasn't, I, I don't know. I was just in my own bubble. I was um, really immersed in the fashion industry and specifically in 
uh, trade shows. And so I knew a lot of really cool brands because of that, but more of like the business side of things. So that was just kind of my world. And that was what I saw. I wasn't, I wasn't really so privy to that, but then my, my first, my business partner for my first agency, she came from an agency, um, that I think still exists today called attention out of New York. And they were one of the Mm. very first social media agencies that really kind of took like a big box approach to social. And so I really, through her, I started like, God, I remember she would just say things that I was like, I have like all this agency lingo that I probably say all the time now, but I was always just like, what are you talking about? But I would just sponge it. Yeah. I would just, what what would she say? Yeah. Oh, oh, we got to send through our cape stack or like, oh, we got to get this SOW together. All this stuff that I was like, (laughs) Google SOW. I have no idea, but (laughs) I was just like, I was like, I'm a sponge. I'm going to be a sponge. Like I want to say those things. I only have to hear it once. And then I like, will say it if I feel like it's relevant, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of, I kind of don't remember who was influencing me at that time, but it wasn't agencies. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome to hear, though, because like eight years ago, like it was just pretty much Facebook and like Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest, and be like, but like the landscape, I feel like was different back then, and like people weren't spending money on that to to be able, like to be able to put all your eggs in that basket. I think was kind of like a risk back then. Yeah, it was definitely it was a different kind of marketing, right? Like it was definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of hard selling. I used to have to answer a lot of questions like, why would I invest in social media? And I'd have to fight that battle. Um, And, and I didn't really, I mean, none of us really knew at the time, but like, it wasn't a content thing really so much back then. Like back then it was always like, oh, you guys need to send us your assets. We, we can come up with ideas and we can engage with like bloggers because that's all that influencer marketing was back then, which is like, you know, yeah. checks on WordPress. But right. I, 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 yeah, it was, to- it was totally different. Um, so were you like finding yourself like trying to convince people to just like use it? Oh, 100%. I was, do- I was like, I think a big part of my business was the fact that people were like, help me get onto social media and help <laughs> me figure out how to use it. And so yeah. that, that was the impetus of like the first agency. And then we did event stuff too, because that was my experience, you know, and, and then there was still, you know, money kind of being spent there in like a small way, but, but so yeah. For you, when, when you were starting this social media stuff and you're kind of like on the front wave of that and helping companies get on there, the shift from that to like, even the Matt Black idea, like, was it the the space was growing, so you needed to grow into it? Or were you just like getting a little bit tired of just doing social media? Like, were you like, I need to do higher concept things? No. So actually, yeah, it was, it was kind of mixed that basically Instagram is the, is really the impetus for Matt Black. Um, in the later part of the two and a half years of my earlier agency, Instagram came about. Um, it wasn't, it didn't even exist before. And it was all like, you know, vintage filters and, Mm using hipstamatic and stuff like that. So yeah, so it it wasn't, it wasn't really a brand thing yet, but it was really cool as like a consumer and we were obviously paying attention to it. But, um, but that was kind of, you know, part of the impetus for why my partner and I split is because I had, I had experience in, in, um, I almost, I mean, sometimes I think about like my, my 
uh, perspective on art direction to some extent, or even I did a lot of like set design on the side because of my experience in events, um, which the two feel very different, but they are actually very similar in the way you kind of um, curate and like compile an experience. It's just what's behind the lens versus what somebody is getting in, in person. But um, so I kind of dabbled in that a bit. And then when Instagram came around, I was like, well, we have to create content. Like there's no way that brands can do this. And we have to like, we have to offer that as a service. And my partner at the time didn't really see that or, or want to get into it. And so that was kind of part of the, mm. part of the shift in thinking. And that was like what started Matt Black. Thanks. Wow. You, you felt super strongly about this thing that because it's so funny because like Abe and Mackenzie and I have like all talked about this where it was like as soon as we got on Instagram, like it was our natural instinct to just like curate an Instagram feed based on our taste. Um, like we've never known anything really different than that. And I don't really yeah. know like what influenced us to kind of like get into that. But it would be so bizarre to me that like no advertising or not even no advertising in one way, but like to just like think of that. And it was probably because we had sold brands like Everlane and like all these like you know, Allbirds, like some of these brands that have been around for a while that like have like kind of pioneered that whole look and feel. Yeah. Um, that, that was like our major influences. But to kind of like be on the front end of that is like a whole different story. Um, well, it was going back to it was going back to this cell again of like why curating your Instagram feed mattered to brands. Right. right? Like at this point, they were like, well, we get that we are using Facebook now and we get that we're using Twitter. But like you're you're telling us that we need to like you know, do all this stuff for Instagram now too. Like it's crazy. Mm. And, and that was why, you know, in the beginning of Matt Black, I was like, you can work with us for, I mean, God, we had like some clients on, on $1,500 a month who were getting a monthly photo shoot. I mean, <laughs> that was crazy. That's I've heard some That's horror awesome. stories. I've heard <laughs> yeah. some horror stories, but I want to, I want to hear them from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Okay. I don't know if they were horror stories like so much for me. They're kind of just funny reflections at this point. Like humble but, beginnings, I guess. Yeah. But it was just like, I was, that was my thing. I was like, well, the, the best thing we can do is help small brands by like creating, you know, creating 10 photos a month and, um, and running their social for them and leveraging influencers. And that was like it. It's just like what we did. And so we found um, a photographer who would shoot for us for 200 bucks a day and we would bucket all our brands in and shoot and just do, I mean, you guys back then it was like uh, uh, the hand holding the product behind yeah. a white wall was like so cool, you know, oh, yeah. or like exactly. we just, we shot in like our little cockroach infested office uh, in Culver <laughs> city, like three offices ago. And we would just shoot, shoot in there. And that was it. Yeah. We didn't like, we never had models. It was like, it was so lo-fi, but it was great. You know, then like, totally. that's like what it was. That was like, was the like pinnacle of the Instagram marketing then. And it was perfect. Yeah. Well, we always talked about too, is like, we kind of missed the days. Um, and like back to like the whole humble beginnings conversation is like we really do miss the days where like we would we thought the coolest thing ever was like telling our friends to go stand in front of this like pink wall or like in front yeah. of a tree and be like let's take a picture of you or jump or something. It was so simple. Just it jump. was so simple. No, but I love hearing that like you were able to like bounce back. Like you you went all in and it didn't work out and you didn't just like give up though. A lot of people yeah. would have just kind of called it quits and like been like you know what I tried my best and like moving on to something else. You kind of like yeah. stuck stuck through that and was able to like for uh, forecast and adapt to how kind of like the industry has changed. Um, 
Yeah, which I think is like the most important thing always. Um, I mean, I hope Alex can get like a sense of it in the time he's been with us. I mean, it's harder to pivot anything as you get bigger, but like I, I, I mean, there's decisions you make as a business owner, one, which is like, I don't want to become a big agency because I don't want to not be able to make changes quickly. Like mm. right now, we're just kind of able to be like, well, this isn't working or oh, people aren't really asking for this anymore. So let's just like, you know, let's figure out how to become better at the things that people are asking us for, find yeah. the right people, you know, who can support us in that. And like, that's, that's it. Like the second you become tapped out of just awareness of what people need or what as for us, like what brands need, then we lose sight of it, you know? So it, yeah, it's kind of like you just, it just is a, it's a mandatory, I think. And like how you build your business, it, it should reflect, you know, what, what you hope to be in terms of your, your pivotability or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and like fluidity, like fluidity is so important too. And like making sure that you have the people in the room that are able to make those changes directly is like the more yeah. people you have to like communicate messages through, I think is like the more problems you create just mm -hmm. overall. <laughs> 100%. I feel like that's just going to be like more and more important just in the digital, like marketing creative world. Like I just feel like in, in 10 years, like who knows what we're going to be doing. I feel like our, industry is like you have to be so ready for just whatever's next and just be open to that and flexible to that because that's like our whole future it's just going to speed up yeah no it really is is that what kind of inspired you to start shapeshift report or was that yeah. something totally different yeah, talk about those let's talk about shapeshift report and candid because i think those are really interesting things that you never talk about <laughs> <laughs> um so shapeshift report was something um that i actually had started at my previous agency um it wasn't the shapeshift report it was something different but i was like oh we should create these decks for our clients that just show that we're you know we're aware we're like tapped into stuff and then that's all that that was and then when um when I started Matt Black, I'm like, I want to keep doing that, but like in a different way. And, and so the shapeshift report is essentially, you know, what that became. And, um, it did initially start out as just like a, you know, a behind the scenes deck that was shared with clients. It was a little bit more robust. We did like influencer features cause, or blog, I think it was called a blogger spotlight still then. Um, because that was kind of interesting and, uh, covered a lot of the similar kinds of things that we still cover today, but, you know, in a little bit of a trimmed down basis. And then, um, and then I was just like, I, I had, I had a lot of exposure to trend industries and working with different trend, um, forecasting companies, which I always thought that, that industry in like the industry was very odd, like that mm -hmm. somebody could charge, you know, in some cases upwards of like $25,000 for a report that just felt like it was like, Oh cool. Backpacks are in like, what, right. you know what I mean? You're just yeah. kind of like, that's cool. Um, I could go to Japan and take a bunch of photos too, but I, I appreciate what it is. I understand the importance of it. I knew it really from like the fashion world space and, and how it influenced, you know, design and selling and stuff like that. But, um, so then I was like, well, if we turn this into a report, uh, that's actually like a downloadable PDF and is much more expansive, we could sell it and it would be like a, a very accessible um, concept of the same way and brands will buy into it and blah, blah, blah. So then we developed this whole like digital magazine that was a PDF that you had to download. Um, very quickly, I decided to get rid of it being monetized. Um, I slowly was like, wait, you know, you could buy an issue of Fast Company for like, 
five bucks and they have way more resources than we mm. do in terms of insights. Like why is this valuable at $25 or whatever? Mm. Um, so I was like, I think that the value in this is going to be email acquisition um, because I started seeing all the people that were getting it. And it was like, you know, big box brands and agencies. And I don't really even know how they came about it so much, but it was just, I was like, well, this is more meaningful to us than, than that for now. And then it was um, it was my friend Puno, who I know you guys have featured on the yeah. podcast too, who um, has always been something of uh, like a very good friend and mentor to me in in certain kind of outside of the box thinking opportunities um, and design. And she was just like, "Hey, I have this opportunity to test out a new Squarespace template. What if we turn the Shapeshift report into a fully digital platform?" And I was like, "Yeah." Fuck it, let's do that. Um, I'm like putting these PDFs together is a nightmare. So yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. I had to kind of wrap my head around it, but I was like, let's do it. And so then it became you know a fully digital thing. And what it is today is is honestly super trimmed down, and it's it's easy for us to manage considering you know I mean as Alex can attest, um, it's kind of you know it doesn't get a ton of attention. Uh, we have somebody really great internally who runs it, and thankfully for her, she's you know she's really committed to to putting good things forward, but. Um, but for us, it's, it's really just a thought leadership platform. I, I think the best way for me to think to position it is like, um, it's the same reason why we have a podcast. It's like if, uh, you know, W Hotels, for example, a client of ours, part of the reason why they even took a phone call with me is because they had read one of our articles on the Shapeshift Report and loved our perspective on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gives, it gives like, Anybody who wants a little sense of what we are, who we do, or like what we do and who we are, um, a more of an inside sense of like, oh, this is their community. Oh, these are the people that they know. Oh, I can hear Chelsea's voice on a podcast or Micah's mm. voice on a podcast. And like, I feel like I know who she is, you know, and it almost kind of helps vet in some ways, but it, it has always been a really good um, like means for just people understanding who we are outside of just being another agency, which is hard. You know, I, I think there's like a there's uh, and we talk about this as a group is like when we were creating mouthwash, uh, we were really intentional about the things that we give away for free. Um, and I think yeah. like there's so much like trust built in what we give away mm-hmm. for free. So and this almost came by accident. But when we were creating the first season of the podcast, we were like, we don't want to just like post on an, and like we talk about this all the time, but we don't want to just like post on an Instagram story that like, hey, we released a new podcast. It's like, what if we like designed a little animation thing or like, um you know, just design something every time we release or made an announcement. And what in turn, like what that ended up doing is building trust so that when we did put a price tag on a, on a magazine, a physical one, um, people were like, well, if they're giving this stuff away for free in the digital space, how much better will it be if I spend $35 on it? Yeah. Um, but do, I, you get, do you not feel pressure from that? Pressure in what way? Yeah. Like in, is it going to be worth, $35 or whatever it is. No, definitely not. No. It was like, it's, it's more of like a, it was more of like a, we did this cause we were bored. Um, and we'll see who supports us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we really see it as like a, like long-term sustainable like object. Yeah. yeah. I feel like with the thing with the magazine is you, first of all, like at our, at our level and like at the way we're designing it, we're not really designing it to make money or like monetize it. So it's really like, let's figure out how to just break even. And we have like so many people who, like are contributing that we're already like bringing in all of their circles and they're like, we're supporting them as artists more than us trying to like make a profit. Off I think it. we met a lot yeah. of friends through that too. Yeah. We legit don't make any money off of it. I think. Um, but, <laughs> right. 
but we did get to meet a lot of like really talented people like nationwide that we've wanted to collaborate and work with. Um, and then that's opened up conversations um, to like new people and new circles. So I think that that's kind of like the value and like the longevity. Yeah, the intangibles yeah. there I think are yeah. really important. I kind of see that the shapeshift report in that same way is like we've gotten to feature really cool photographers and like had them you know kind of give us their insight and then they're then uh, then by association they're aware of who Matt Black is, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so there's definitely like so much importance there uh, to like artists and people who start businesses about like what we choose to give away for free. Mm. Um, and I think like they always say like put your best foot forward and give that stuff away for free. And like I think people overlook that a lot. Well, and I mean, and this is just like going back to the cold, hard cash, which is not what we do any of this. Well, you know, we have to live, but these kind of passion things isn't always it. But I used to give all these um, social media talks and I taught like this course at General Assembly forever. And uh, people used to always be like, well, why do you want to give away all the information that you guys do as an agency? Like, don't you just want people to come and work with you? And I was like, well, they're still not going to do any of the things I tell them to do. Yeah. They're still going to want to come work with the agency, which it's, it sounds, I mean, that's messed up. Obviously people, people really do. And I never did it because I was trying to um, like regain any clients from it. That's never the case. But what happens, I think sometimes when you contribute things for free um, or, you know, for like a small fee in some way, like share your information is that people become exposed to who you are and like your perspective. So even looking at you guys, three super talented creatives and, you know, all different kinds of mediums, like someone's just going to look at that and be like, oh man, I just want to like hire Alex to like shoot this thing. Cause this is what's so cool. You know, it's like, it's mm -hmm. not like you're, it's, it's different. Like people appreciate that insight. They appreciate like what you can give them. And then totally. they, they may want to emulate it, but ultimately at the end of the day, they just want to, they want to work with you at some point. It's kind of how it always turns around. So. Totally. Mm -hmm. um, so there's shapeshift report. And then there's another thing that you have called candid, um, which is really beneficial to us at Matt Black. Yeah. So candid, um, Candid was a byproduct of our own internal needs um, with, you know, shooting for brands all the time. I think uh, previously, I think around the time that we started Candid, we were still shooting for brands on a monthly basis for the brands that engaged us in that way. Um, and, you know, as, as anyone who is in the content game understands, you really uh, have to be super focused on your shoot days um, and the assets that you can get out of it that are all like unique is not that broad. Um, and when we're shooting a lot of consumer lifestyle products, um, you know, a lot of times you need like different bathroom shelfy moments or like, you know, on the go or like all these different kind of categories that you would shoot. And every time I would look at them, I'm like, God, this feels so fake. Like it just feels not good and not cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and naturally whenever Instagram, you know, uh, influencers or even just like standard UGC, you would get came through and it looked really great. You're like, this is like 10 times better for some reason. It's 10 times better than like what you could shoot with like a fully beautiful, like crew even and all if that stuff. Like on an iPhone. Yeah. yeah. And so then we were just, you know, we had, we kind of had hit this crossroads at Matt Black where, you know, we've been doing influencer marketing for so long. I was personally like deeply bored of it. I probably stopped selling it because I just wasn't interested in the work anymore. I felt the space getting kind of vapid and cloudy and I didn't really see the return uh, for, for our brands. And so 
I was just like, well, let's just start using influencers to help us create content because they're really talented at that, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but focusing on micro influencers and content creators, stuff like that. And so we just started doing it behind the scenes and we would go to them when we needed certain kinds of shots that we didn't want to prioritize in our shot list. Um, it did, you know, really well. Um, clients really loved it. They loved the versatility of the shots. And so we then decided to, um, you know, make it a consumer facing, um, platform essentially. So I, you know, once again, tapped my friend Puno and I'm like, Hey, will you help me build this site? And I thought up a name. I'm like, Candid sounds cool. And, uh, and it's trademarkable. And, um, <laughs> and, and then that was how it was. And it, we basically just said, well, you people can buy packages. They can either choose to just, you know, buy a certain suite of images for, you know, I think when we first launched, it was like 50 bucks a photo. Um, and we've, we've since raised it, but, um, but yeah, it just, it was really interesting. We, we launched it. Uh, we put a, uh, I think Puno because she had kind of been helping us with some of it, uh, through an ad and I love creatives like on the house. And we got this like flurry of incoming brand requests from like actually pretty decent brands. Um, and I was like, wow, that's really crazy. And then pretty much nonstop for like four months, it was just like, it was just these like big box companies. And I'm like, how like Estee Lauder and like TaskRabbit and all these companies And I'm like, how are they even hearing about this? But they all were super interested. Um, and they all started engaging in, in, uh, projects and, Anyway, and and here we are. But it was kind of a gamble in the beginning because, you know, we hired somebody full time with the hope that it was going to become something. You know, I made the investment uh, just mentally of like, okay, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. Uh, We don't really know if people are going to be super down with it, but we can pivot it if we need to. Um, And and yeah, I mean, Alex, as you said, it's like it's a major asset for us, um, both because it allows us to work with some brands that might not work with us as an agency because they don't necessarily need those services Mm -hmm. um, and or it's also a really great entry point. Um, So some of the brands will be like, oh, wait, I can up level and get actually like my agency production work done, too. So it makes my life easier, too. (laughs) Yes. And it allows you to prioritize your shot list. (laughs) Yeah, it allows me to prioritize on bigger ideas, which is great. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, like, um, like you started Mad Black and you have this thing going and then you, you realize this need. And so like, that's where like some of these other smaller parts came out, like Candid and Shapeshift Report. And so I'm just curious, like when you think of an idea, when you're realizing one of these needs, first of all, it takes like a very specific, special person to be like, let me create the solution for this. But like, what is your first like, who do you go to to talk to about your idea? Who are you, like, bouncing ideas back of? Like, what's your first step when you have one of these thoughts? Um, I feel like there are, you know, key people internally at Matt Black that I definitely go to. Um, mostly, like, my creative team, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Alex included. Like, you just kind of throw shit at the wall and you're like, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to know if people are like, yeah, I don't know, that could be kind of cool. Then you're like, okay, let me go like, you know, toss this around a little bit more. My husband is, is also, um, you know, very, uh, entrepreneurial and, um, a real kind of like, he's got a a real vision for, for a multitude of things. And Hmm. so he's, he's somebody that it's very easy for me to just be like, what do you think? And if he feels like it's kind of, you know how it is, it's like, you just read people, Um, but then there's also just kind of the, like, I don't really care. Like, I just, why not? 
kind of a thing too, you know, like I, I I find people who like have to, and I totally appreciate this as a character, but like people who feel like they need to like talk a thing to death or like really feel like everybody is on board for something Mm -hmm. before they do it. I'm like a very different kind of person. I'm like, let's just do it. You know, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. I feel like so many people like want to feel better about their ideas by just like getting people to agree with them that it's a good idea. And then they never end up actually doing it because they're afraid that it might not turn out yeah. the, the way they pitched it or whatever. There's actually like a TED talk about um, this thing called social theory where like we lie to ourselves when we tell people about our ideas by saying like, oh, they like it. So my idea is good, but I'll never actually mm. go make it, mm. um, which is really interesting. interesting. So I think there's like a, I think there's a, a special thing about people who, keep their ideas close in a close circle. I think those people are kind of the people that actually end up going on to like make a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people that talk and they don't actually go make anything. Totally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a question. Um, I was, I was just thinking about like when, like when you have these big ideas, like there's obviously like a, um, a real fear of like things failing maybe. And maybe like, I think they're, the special type of people who do come up with big ideas like have less of that fear or they're just like, they're just a little bit more courageous in general. Um, but like, how do you move on from things that haven't worked out? And do you have examples of things that like you really thought like were going to work out and they haven't worked out? Yeah. Um, totally. I, I, the biggest thing that comes to mind wasn't exactly like my company, but it was one that I was like deeply involved in, which was Juice Served Here, which was a, a juice business that my husband started. Uh, we started really like, uh, he started that company at the same time that I was starting Matt Black. Our house was like this funny little space where like I had the back with my one employee and he was like, had his Juice Served Here people around the table and they're like hot housing, like what this juice business is going to be. And, um, and I led the, I mean, everything with that brand from a marketing perspective. It was the first time that I felt like I ever had a creative leeway to just be like, yeah, like this is what I think. And like nobody, I mean, yes, like yeah. my husband and I challenge each other and he has very like strong visions too, but just being able to be like, yeah, I think this is what we should do and being able to totally run with it. And Um, and yeah, I mean that, that company, um, I, you know, I wouldn't call it a failure because it wasn't, um, it was actually like probably one of the best exposures to business I've ever had, um, both in the good and the bad, like even a year before they had to close their doors, I was like, damn, running a business like that sucks. Like I was like, agency is sweet. Like you just sell time. Like he would always just be like, you got it so good. You just sell time. Like that's all that you (laughs) sell. Um, he's like, I have to like make a product and like make sure it's good. And like, I have to get it out there and there's all these costs and all this stuff, you know? And, um, it became this behemoth and all these investors and all this like stress. And I was like, damn, that really sucks, honestly. And then, um, and then a year later, there was just, you know, certain, certain amount of things that happened that were actually out of the company's control that put it in a place where it couldn't survive. And, um, and that was crazy. And you, you do, I mean, it wasn't even my, it's not even mine. Like I wasn't the one who had to lay off like 80 something people, but I felt it, you know, I came home to it every night and, um, and you definitely have those moments where you're like, is this failure? Like, is anybody going to like what are they going to think, you know? Right. And then, and then it's like the fucking coolest thing ever. Like, it's just like everybody, 
I don't know. I almost feel like you have to go through that. And I, I can't even say that I went through it like personally. I mean, I did, right. but like, you know, I'm like a bystander, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think failure is like the coolest thing ever. I think again, like for me, obviously I run a very different kind of business. Like if, if something seems like it's not working anymore, like it, it's something that there is a low cost in, in like the broad stroke spectrum of like your ability to kind of like wind things down or whatever. I mean, I, I would definitely say that with every juncture, like signing the lease to the office that we're in now, like, yeah, I had some sleepless nights. Like you're like, wow, this is, this is a lot. This these liabilities are becoming bigger and bigger. Right. And like, right. I have to make sure that, um, the projects keep coming in and, you know, all these, these right. things, you know, but taking care of a team, the more people I hire, like I have to make yeah. sure they're eating and like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you gotta make the stakes get higher for sure. Yeah. The stakes get higher, but i I find that, um, I find that, well, it's two part. I think watching a company quote unquote fail has exposed me to all of the benefits that something like that can happen and all of the opportunities that that opens up. So I feel less fearful of if that kind of thing was going to happen for me uh, personally. But then also I find that like being uncomfortable is, is the most, is the best way for me to succeed. Um, I think that like, I, I need it because it, it pushes me, um, you know, walking into that office every day and being like, yeah, this is kind of like a lot pushes me to keep making the business better or like mm-hmm. looking at platforms like Candid and being like, let's take this up a notch, you know, things like that, um, totally. where it's not a need, it's, it's a want, but it's, you know, it's those small things, whether I like am aware of it or not, that you're just like, this is, this is inherently pushing me because I can, I know that I'm my risks are like, they could have, you know, mm-hmm. rewards and results. <laughs> so For sure. I think yeah. it's, it's really inspirational to kind of see you both you and your husband, like, um, go through failures and able to bounce back so fast and not just like start something else, but lead a team of people. Cause you guys are both kind of leading people day in and day out. Um, and I think, uh, whatever you guys lead into the, like keep doing in the future, whether it's highly likely or, um, other versions of, you know, Shapeshift or what Candid or, um, are going to be really successful because you both have that like perseverance, which is like a specific, like a specific and unique, uh, character trait that like a lot of people don't have. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I, I do think that that is a critical, anyone who wants to like run a business, um, in, in a, in a bigger capacity, I guess, or when like you do have financial stakes at hand, like you, you got to be prepared for that. And you have to really question if you, if you do have like, you know, um, if you do have the thick skin, I think Mm -hmm. to just kind of like, uh, I don't know, deal with a lot of shitty stuff, you know, running a business is like sexy on the outside. It's, you know, and it's amazing. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever, but like it has, it comes with a lot of, um, a lot of challenges, you know, because people are going to burn you like no matter yeah. what, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. 100%. And especially like 100%. in today's world, everything's like curated and, and we look, we live in like a Twitter world where like everyone's flexing and, um, just to hear it directly yeah. from you that like, you know, shit was hard. Um, and it was hard again and then you kept going. Um, and we're able to both yeah. go, get out of that. I think it's super inspiring. Um, the last, the one of the last things I want to talk about is I don't think I've ever really gotten the chance to like talk about this a lot, but um, it kind of like really came to me when 
we were shooting, Abraham was at the studio and we were shooting a project a couple of weeks ago. And he just like, at the end of the shoot, he was like, man, like I've never seen like an executive creative director, like be hands-on, but like trust her team so much. Um, oh, wow. And yeah. Thanks, and, Abe. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> Abe. and I was like, yeah, you know what? Like the last like two jobs I've had, um, you know, I'm super thankful for those. Like they've got me where I'm at, but like I've always dealt with creative jobs where like um my creative director or like a director is very like over my shoulder like kind of um really micromanaging in a lot of ways and um something that chelsea has done really well is like just like so much trust like in her team like i'm just kind of like off doing my own thing and she just like waits for the result or like puts her eyes on the result at the end or kind of like touches it here and there but it actually really like allows me to feel like i own the work in a lot of ways and like i feel really proud of it um so i just kind of want to talk to you about like a good like being a good leader like you're mm-hmm. like such a good leader of people like what is your perspective on like how you build teams um well one thank you um because it doesn't always it, you always question like your leadership right. right like i'm like am i am i not being supportive enough like am i not am i am i being too much like uh, you know you you question mm-hmm. a lot of things i think that um my way of leadership is a byproduct of like my head being in so many different bubbles all the time that like I almost I could even if I wanted to be like breathing over your shoulder I just couldn't possibly like but it also doesn't interest me I think I just um I don't know you gotta like believe in the people you hire like I believe in the people I hire and I know I know when I need to step in and when I feel like something isn't right I, I, I catch it really quickly and it's then my job to figure out um, how to how to pivot that. But like, I get I get it from being in the same shoes. Like, I've had I've had really really shitty bosses um, in the jobs that I had before I went on my own. And I remember uh, one boss in particular like put the like fear of God in me. Like, she gave me so much anxiety and um, mm. was just super intense. And I was like, I remember saying to myself, like, one, I don't under- like this isn't living. Like, why do you want to do that to people? And mm. then the other was, I was like, if I ever do my own thing, like, I'm never going to be that kind of boss. And I don't really think about that, but like, I I am very like, you got it's got to be positive, right? Like, it has to be like a happy environment. Um, people need to to want to come in. People need to feel, I think feeling ownership for the work, like you said, is like the biggest piece. I I Mm. just don't think like, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I don't know. It it just, I don't even know the answer to it. It's not like I'm conscious about it. I'm not conscious about like, oh, let me like let Alex have his time and I'll bug (laughs) him at the very end. Like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, Alex is, I mean, people here are great and they're going to, they're, they're, you're either going to like get it right or you're not. And we're going to have to fix it. You know right. what I mean? Well, and that's you say it. That, like, you're saying it like it's like it's just amazing because you're saying like, oh, I don't even think about it. It's just how it is. Like that is like so rare. That's huge. And, like nobody Very has rare. that. That's like probably like five percent of agencies where like people actually ha- are under good leadership, and that's gonna like that's gonna like be the success of Matt Black is like that culture and that community. And work can be however good. Like I've worked at places where the the work is good, but leadership sucks. And you just like, there's no way you're staying there. Yeah. You know, so that's like, that's amazing. I think it has to be the other thing that I, um, that I value in leadership that I think I've gotten 
a bit poorer at in recent years just because it's gotten busier, but is transparency. Like I found that anytime I'm like, okay, let me just tell you guys everything. Like this is, this is our challenges. This is what money we're bringing in. Like this is, you know, this is what I guess it's kind of what we try to achieve with certain things like annual vision days and stuff like that. And it, 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 it's something where like, I feel like the more that the people around you or your team feel like they understand what you're trying to do clearly, um, hopefully like that, that breeds into the work regardless. Again, I think that I've, I used to be a lot better at this cause I, I had more time for it, but I do think that that's a, a part of it too. Cause a lot of times, especially at certain agencies in general, it's like leadership is kind of like closed off a little bit and you oh, don't totally. really know what is going on, you know, but right. we're small. So it allows us to do that. It's kind of hard to be trained. I will say yeah, from the cool. outside looking in, there's like a level of respect and um, even just observing like the work culture. It's like almost contagious when you see your boss and like the owner, like roll up the sleeves and it's 7 PM and we're still shooting. Um, like, I, I don't know. I think this speaks volumes and I've been in a lot of shoots where like the creative directors know we're on set and, wasn't in any of the briefings, but yet whenever it goes up on ad week, I still think whenever it goes up on ad yeah. week, they get all the accolades and stuff like that. And I, and I feel like that leaves like a bad taste in the mouth uh, because like you re- weren't really in the trenches. And like, I, I think there's like levels to like, yeah, people are busy, but it, it's that ownership that you kind of talk about um, and just doing it enough. And, and there's a fine line. Yeah. I agree. Totally. Yeah. I think like there's, there's just so much power in like making, making one, making people feel like, um, like we're in this together, like we're trying to win together. And like the way you do achieve that is through transparency is, it is by showing face. It is by like rolling up your sleeves when you have to. And, um, even just like, like Chelsea, you're always there, like you're earlier, they're earlier than everybody. And you stay there later than like a lot of us sometimes when you have to. And, and that's not like a work culture that we want to promote, but it's like, um, just there's there's just like when things have to get done they have to get done and i think it's it's really important from like just to even at like an entry level position for like people to see that the person that inspires them or the person that hired them is like in it with them yeah and i think a lot of people lose sight of that so it, i think it's really great and like one of the reasons why like i really do truly enjoy working with you well my ego feels really good right now <laughs> thank you i'm sorry i feel like i'm getting uh, my review from alex <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, this is where all the honesty comes out. Right? Yeah. What, um, do, what can I work better at, Alex? Better What's my we'll constructive s- criticism? We'll say that. We'll say that for season three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think as we're wrapping up, I don't think um, I think we covered like a, a good amount of stuff. But yeah, thank um, you guys. This is a good yeah, chat. No one last question, um, just because you're generally the one interviewing. Um, is there anything you wish we would ask or would have asked? Dude, no. I mean, not that I can think of. Like, this is, I love this. I love this, like, free flow format. I love just, like, chatting with you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, it makes time go away fast. And I I think, like, yeah, we kind of just, like, (laughs) I think it kind of came out of, like, we're not great at this in general. Like, we say like a lot and we we never trip over words, but (laughs) I think. I think I think people will like it. Yeah, people like it, but people like the humanness. I think it's good. Totally, people just want cool. to feel like they're in, in the room with you. Well, now our English feel good. That's the well, goal. If you have a question, yeah, you're making us feel good now. It's your turn. <laughs> um, well, if you have something that you wish we would have asked us, um, we can ask you and then put it on like some weird follow up post. No, <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy. That was um, awesome. 
Yeah. Well, for all you guys for lis- um, listening, um, Chelsea is my boss. She is the executive creative director at Matt Black. She's also the founder. Um, she also founded a cafe called Highly Likely, which is in West Adams. You should all go. It's a great neighborhood and food's amazing. Um, also, the owner of a vertical called Shapeshift Report and Candid Network, which is all part of Matt Black. Um, if you Google her name, there's probably like 100 million articles on Google about her. So. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. I think there's a superstar uh, who like trumps my SEO entirely. So <laughs> I'm just well, like screwed. We'll have to work on the SEO. We can get Micah on that one. <laughs> yeah, give me a hacker. Um, right. Uh, I'll put a little links to some of the stuff that you guys would really like to know about her in the, in, in the bio below. But uh, yeah, thanks for chatting with us, Chelsea. Thanks, guys. You guys are yeah, the best. Bye. Thanks, Chelsea. Sure Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. For more information, you can follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.com.